experience the ripple effect. The ripple effect. The ripple effect. The ripple effect. This is the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. A nonprofit organization established in 2007 to provide powerful leadership training to the youth of our communities. And now, here's your host, by board member, co-owner of Rapport International and certified trainer, Brett Johnston. Hello and welcome back to the Empowering Youth Podcast. I'm Brett Johnston. I'm JJ Chanowski. I'm Jeff Catano. And in studio tonight, we have with us the Bidouan family. And this has been something that's been, you know, fun and, and, you know, entertaining, knowing Dax for some time. Dax is the father and uh he's he's been a big part of rapport for a long time uh you know great friends and you know he's a big giver um and is in his calling in life and what he's done for himself but we're really here tonight to spend some time you know really talking about his one of his best friends on this planet so dax if you would like to introduce this is the jack show not the dax show yeah so this is my son who I'm ultimately proud of and love and daringly to the end. Yeah. This is Jackson Baudouin. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys for having me on here tonight. Um, excited to be here. So hopefully we can dive into some information, everything like that. Um, one thing that I like to talk about and uh, kind of diving into this stuff um, is kind of taking it more back to like my childhood um, and different things like that. And, um, and how rapport and team and everything like that impacted me and, and changed me for the better. Um, going back all the way back to my childhood, I'd never really have known what it's been like to have, uh, parents that have been together. Um, so growing up all with all my friends and everything like that, seeing all of them have, have parents that are still married, different things like that took a toll on me um for a while and especially with the different problems of having to transfer households different things like that um when when did you start feeling that um how old were you when you noticed i mean i was pretty young honestly more like honestly back to the time that i can even start remembering different events throughout my life um they separated when i was about two years old so i like i said i don't even know what it's like to have parents that are married. Um, And I saw a big, big impact. And when it started taking a toll on me, probably when I was getting into sports, getting into school, different things like that, um, always was kind of the poor me, poor me kind of kid. Like, oh, these guys haven't made so easy kind of things like that. And um, obviously that did a complete 180 um, come the future. But um, it was awesome. Um, all growing up, spent, spent honestly most of the time with my dad. Um, and I love my mom very, very much, but growing up had a lot of, and typically I don't, I don't like to talk about this stuff, but I think it's a good thing to talk about on the podcast. So that way people can go in and, and relate to this kind of stuff. And just so people know that they, they can get through it no matter how hard it really does get. But, um, long story short, growing up, um, wasn't very, very close with my mom. Um, like I said, spent most of my time with my dad. Um, my mom, like I said, I don't talk about this a whole lot, but, um, had a lot of alcohol problems, different things like that. A lot of more mental problems, not in the sense of her going crazy, but just kind of different things. That's not really good for a young kid to be around. Um, but I think that's, one of the big factors that shaped me into kind of who I am today and kind of challenged me throughout my life. But, um, long story short, going through all the way till I was about 10 years old, um, had about 50, 50 split visits with my mom and my dad. And some events came up throughout the, um, throughout my life that, that kind of pushed me more towards my dad and gave my dad more custody over me. Um, it was awesome to, to be able to spend that time with him, but going back all the way to now, um, and, and throughout high school and junior high and different things like that. Um, and not being able to spend that time with my mom has really shaped her into, into a really, really good mom and had her sober for quite some time and absolutely clean. And she's one of the best moms that I 
I can say personally is one of the best moms on the planet. So I, I appreciate her very, very much. I can see how proud you are of her for, for, you know, being that mom. Absolutely. Like, you know, looking back, like I said, throughout elementary, junior high and stuff like that, I was almost, I don't want to say embarrassed of my mom, but you know, it was, it took a toll on me and especially to have divorced parents and not being able to go to baseball games, soccer games, basketball games with, with both parents, you know, it was kind of sad to see. I only just had one sitting there supporting me. I, not to say that I didn't feel unsupported because my dad's one of the most supportive people in my life, but um, it, it definitely took a toll on me. But now I can say um, fullheartedly that she's one of my biggest fans and biggest supporters. I want to say one thing. It's emotional. It's emotional. And <clears throat> as, a, as we were going through this and as Jackson reflects on this, like I can understand this because I lived it too. And I can remember a confidant that I, that I had and said, do not worry. Jackson will be okay. Why? Because he has you. And this will make him resilient and strong. And it happened. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of trust associated with that because during those times, it doesn't feel like that and it doesn't look like that, right? It doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going back to, like I said, when I was about 10, 12 years old, I really didn't have much self-direction of where I, I wanted to go. I kind of always needed somebody to kind of fall back on. And that was my dad. And no matter really what he said, I, I almost believed him nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, always believed what he had to say. Um, and, and he never let me down one bit. So it was awesome. Um, definitely wouldn't have been able to make it make it through those times without him. But like I said, I believe those times is what shaped my relationship with my mom now. And like I said, she's one of the best moms on the planet. I mean, looking back now, what are some, uh, you know, a couple of the big, big, you know, lessons that really stand out to you? Yeah. One of the biggest lessons that, that I believe stands out is like, um, and it's one of the lessons that we, um, get taught in rapport is all will be known in due time, you know what I'm so essentially like going back to when I was a lot younger, I almost felt lost, um, of where I was at. Didn't know who to believe, didn't know what stories were real different things like that. And if you guys just stick it out and people that are listening to this podcast, if you just stick it out, um, and just fight to the end, all will be known in due time and, and all the, it all comes out in the wash. So as, as you're talking about your mom and, and you look back at your life, you know, I, I've always thought that some of the best lessons that I've learned are what not to do. Absolutely. And I listen to how much love you have for your mom and extreme love for your dad. Mm -hmm. But there's a great lesson to be learned that you already learned it. But everybody listening to this is keep your eyes and ears open. Absolutely. You know, that don't make those same mistakes. Yes. So I can remember having this conversation with Jackson. And the only reason I can give good advice is because I've made a lot of mistakes. Boom. And the interesting thing about Jackson is he can learn from other people's mistakes. He He's like the smartest person in the room. He is. Yeah. He doesn't have to go through the struggle and strife of making the mistake. He can just understand that I, I screwed up. That's why I can say, don't do this. And he gets it. He knows it. And he won't do it. Mm. So I just want to say that was one key element to Jackson. He is able to understand other people's mistakes and not, not re-perform them. Yeah, it's hard as, as being a, a young man or young, young woman to have parents um, tell you what to do. Um, I remember my parents telling me what to do, and it was like our parents don't know anything. And yet we, we do know a few things, mostly what not to do. Um, that's why the training is so powerful, because it's experiential. It allows them to experience things for themselves and become aware of them. And we know that in life that it's the same. We get to experience things in life. And you've had great mentors and role models and people guiding you. And I guarantee you've still made some mistakes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, 
there's definitely a lot of big mistakes along the road um, that I've made. But one of the biggest things that like I've learned in life is like, no matter what mistakes you do end up going across throughout your life, it there's no excuse for not going back and making the mistake right. You know, you can always, always go back and, and I, I have a big saying is like the end goal should never, ever be changed, but a plan of correction is never, never wrong. So essentially what that means is like, you can go back. Yeah. It's okay to make mistakes that might affect your long-term goals. But at the end of the day, um, it's never, never an issue to go back and, and have a plan of correction and correct what you've, what you messed up on. So you kind of left off about 12. Yep. In the story. Yep. So I was about 12. Um, and that's about when different custody battles were going on, um, different, different kind of court. I mean, I, I wasn't in the mix and my dad can maybe talk more about this, but seeing, seeing my dad and my mom both have to go into court and fight constantly. And it, it really does take a toll on you at such a young age. Um, but like I said, it will all be known in due time. Um, and, and you can get through it, but went about two or three years without a whole lot of supervision from my mom. Um, and mainly from my dad had, had a supervised visitation with my mom, essentially saying that somebody had to be there whenever I was with my mom because of the different things that, um, had happened in the past that there had to be a supervision there to make sure stuff like that didn't happen again. So she didn't lose full custody of, of me and my brother. But, um, yeah, I go on to about 12, 13. That's about when I was kind of getting more, more competitive, getting wrapped up into sports, different things like that. Um, and it was, it was awesome. But like I was saying, I only always ever had just had one, one supporter in the stand instead of the two. And I, I got quite jealous of the people that, that had the two, two supporters in the stand. But my dad, I think carries the weight of, of both, um, time and time again. How old was your brother or is your brother? Yeah, good question. He's, um, he's five and a half years younger than me. So he's, um, 14 right now, but at the time he was five, six, seven years old. So was he experiencing a lot of the same thing? Probably, probably to a greater degree because he was younger, right? Yeah. And especially the saddest part about that is he's my half brother. Um, and he hasn't had much support from his dad either. So he was, um, almost in it just kind of by himself. And I felt like me as the older brother had to take on, you know, I, I can't really say much of like the dad role, but kind of had to play the dad role. And I was only, you know, I've obviously I'm not the most experienced dad in the world when it comes to that stuff at the age of 12, but, um, definitely was, was that role kind of helping him through that and, and different kinds of things. You're like being that. a big brother. Pretty much. Yep. So it was awesome, and, and he's one of the most most resilient kids as well. Um, works really, really hard in school, different things like that, plays sports, the whole nine yards there. So he's he's doing really well now as well. And um, I read a book a while back. It's called Hard Times Create Strong Men, and I think there's no – there's the reason why how me and my brother operate today is because of what we went through in the past, you know. Just that's what created that re, that resilience, and that's why that's part of the reason why you're so successful right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! It's like no matter what the world kind of throws at me, it's like okay, I've kind of been there, I've done that. It's it's just round two at this point, and and I'm not worried for what it what it can throw at me because I'll I'll handle it and the whole nine yards. And you've been through harder stuff as the world throws shit at you. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the world will continue to throw it, you know, that's, that's just life itself. And I think a big key factor is just kind of how you handle the stuff that it's going to go throw at you. You know, Jackson, watching you share and, and I'm also watching your dad and, and reliving that time period of, you know, court and battles and, you know, the back and forth and the ups and downs. And I could see it in your eyes. It wasn't good, but it was worth it. Absolutely. And I can agree on that. Um, so now coming into about the age of 14, 15 um, years old, I'm getting into junior high now playing sports, playing soccer, um, rode BMX bikes for a while, raced, raced BMX bikes. So that was awesome. Played baseball, basketball, um, everything like that. Um, but one thing I do really want to talk about is 
I was always, I was never really the star of the team. Granted, I, I had my good games and obviously I had my bad games and everything like that, but I, I was never really the outstanding player. Yeah, I pulled my weight on the team always. Um, but one thing that I really, really regret is um, not giving it my all back then. I always was, and I, I talked a little bit about this when I spoke at the, when I spoke at the gala um, a while back, but I always just was kind of the kid that, that got by um, in life. So whether it was school, different things like that, yeah, I took fairly hard classes and wanted to exceed and get ahead of the curve. Um, but at the same time, I was never really fully diving into school, diving into sports and giving it 110% effort. Um, and then going back in through, through rapport and different things like that. I think that's what shaped me into um, giving it 110% in, in everything that I, I go do from here on out throughout my entire life. And one of my big sayings that I, I like to live by is like, if I'm betting on myself, um, I absolutely double down. Um, and it's because now I know that I'm going to go and give it 110% effort and you can't beat somebody that just genuinely won't quit, you know? So I'm kind of have that mentality now and that mindset as far as like, I'm not going to quit in whatever I do. I'm going to go 110% in everything. Um, and it's, it showed great success. That's because you experienced that now. Mm -hmm. So because of how you, you know, you didn't give that back in, in high school, that's now something you carry around. It's that lesson you, that's why you focus the way you do now. Absolutely. Yep. And the big thing my dad has always taught me from a young age is it's not really where you've been. It's about more so where you're going. Um, and so that's a big, big factor in what you just said, as far as like, yeah, back then as I wasn't really the hardest worker in the room, I, I didn't really give it all whenever I was playing sports. I didn't really excel and go as hard as I could in school and, and dive in full force. But now that I'm a lot older and stuff like that, and I, I live through those mistakes and look back on it. And I don't really want to say I regret it um, because obviously that's what shaped me into who I am now. But it's definitely, definitely helped me out a whole lot in my work ethic and different things like that today. I was reading a book recently about regrets and it said that, you know, people that say that I don't regret anything that that's really not what it's all about. You know, it's okay to have regrets. Regrets fuel how you show up today. You know, the way I have, I have, you know, friends and associates and stuff that didn't show up as that dad and, and, and had those regrets and that regrets fuel, those regrets fuel the kind of father they are today or the way they show up to work today or just the human they are today. And so it's okay to have some regrets. Well, everybody does. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody's going to go make mistakes in their life. Nobody's perfect. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest parts of maturing and becoming an adult is like whenever um, I was younger and playing sports and, and different things like that is like whenever I'd make a mistake, I, you know, just being a kid, your friends would all talk about it and, you know, and it kind of gets on your conscience a little bit like that, but getting older and, and especially in rapport, um, one thing that it's, it's taught me and what I've realized is like, yeah, we're going to go make mistakes, but at the end of the day, as long as we're all in it together, um, and we're uplifting each other, then we're going to be just fine. You know, Hey Dax, how old, how, how many years ago did you go to rapport? Jackson could probably answer better than me. It was three years ago? Uh, three and a half. No, I was still in junior high. But, I mean, you've been there <clears throat> plenty of times after me. I'm trying to think. Like, it's at least four years. Probably four years. Yeah. Right. So, do you remember when your dad came home? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How, how, did, how did he show up when he came home? Uh, was, I mean, I don't want to say he was an absolutely changed man but yeah, well, that's not what it's about right no, yeah not Re remind all. you like we went through it together yeah mm -hmm. i do i just the, the, when you come home it's like you guys you guys got to go through the journey together which i wanted i'll dive back into in a minute but when you come home and you start having those conversations especially at that strong awareness stage leaving tell everybody it's like being in the matrix about relationships about friendships about what you're going to do and your future and all those things. So what, what were those conversations like? And we can back up and talk about, you know, going to class. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going to class was, was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I honestly top three things that have shaped me into who I am today. I'd 
put rapport up there um, in on that list without a doubt. But um, to answer your question better, um, how my dad, how my dad was when he came home is he's always been the most loving and supportive guy that I've, I've had in my life. Um, and I appreciate him very, very much for that. But it was just almost like 10 X of what he had already done. Um, and it was just unreal to me to, to see how that, how that works and the, the different things that rapport teaches us. I didn't even think it was possible to be any more loving or any more supportive than he already was. Um, and somehow rapport brought it out of him and, and made him 10 X more loving and more supportive and everything like that. And I, I appreciate it very, very much. It made me understand what the important thing is, and that is to give and give and give. And even when you don't have anything left to give, you give that away too. And so it, I just recalled that 2016 is when we went through. So that's six years ago. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, I talk about a lot with my team. Um, and so I am a part of a big, big sales organization and run a team of about 30 guys. Um, as of now. And how old are uh, you right now? I'm 19. Just but, wanted uh, to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> 19, you 19. know, running a, running a sales team of 30. Uh -huh. It is awesome. And, and I love my team very, very much. But um, essentially, um, one of the biggest things that we do talk about all the time is like the key to living is giving. Um, and it was one of the big mentors in, in the industry. His name's Casey Baugh. Um, and he talks about that quite often is the key to living is giving and, and giving until it hurts is one of the two biggest things that we talk about all the time, like give back until it, it hurts personally, because if you're not giving back until it hurts personally, that means you still have more left in the tank to give. So, yeah, well done. So backing up right before you went to rapport, I guess both of you, maybe this is a question for both of you. So just right before you go in, what are your expectations? And then, if you can just share with us, what did you learn? What, what changed? You said it was one of the top three things that shaped you. Oh, I'd love to hear what happened. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I talk about this quite often, honestly, and it's, it's more of a funny story um, going into rapport, but um, I was playing competition soccer um, back, back then. And whenever I was, um, I didn't even know about rapport, honestly, like my dad had said a few maybe comments here and there and like popped the name into my head, but I didn't know what it entailed, what it was like the different skills that you can go learn throughout this course. Um, but I remember I had a soccer tournament the same week of rapport and, um, and it was a big soccer tournament and I was the captain of the soccer team, um, at that point. And so he, I remember we were all signing up and different things like that. And, uh, my coach was, we were at practice one day my coach was like, Hey, this is the head count of who's, who's signed up, who's registered, who's paid for the tournament already. And I wasn't on there and I was like, Oh shoot. You know, my dad gets pretty busy with work, different things like that. I'm like, Oh, he must've just skipped over the email or something, forgot to register me. Um, so I go home and I'm like, Hey daddy forgot to register me for the tournament. And, and different things like that. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry about that. And didn't really like say much. Like I had still assumed that I was playing in the tournament because he was just, Oh, sorry. Like almost like kind of saying like, Oh yeah, I'll get on that. Like I'll, yeah. I'll get you registered. Yeah, he was still figuring out how, how to break the news to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, when he went in totally blind, at what point yeah, no, did you find out you weren't playing and going to the tournament? Yeah. That was about three practices later when the tournament was, you know, the next week. What was that conversation like? Oh, it was not a pretty conversation <laughs> as far as me to him goes, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have traded it for the world at the end of the day, but um, I'm like, okay, cool. My dad will get on it. You know, he'll get me registered, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so then we're going and we're still practicing, um, getting ready for the tournament and different things like that. And I remember one of my teammates came up to me and was like, hey, like, why aren't you playing? And I'm like, just, I'm like, what the heck? Like, I'm, I'm playing. Like, I've got to play, you know, like my dad really hasn't gotten that done yet. Like I think the registration's over now. Like I've got to be registered by now, you know? So now I'm all 
kind of panicking, different things like that. Like, why am I not playing? Um, and my coach is like, yeah, you're not, you're not on the list to play and everything. I'm just like, what the heck, you know, you were so, playing in a, in a, in a giant tournament, the biggest one of your life up to that point, but it was, it wasn't the one you were thinking of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I went home that day and I'm like, dude, what the heck? Like you still, you still haven't registered me like registrations over the deadlines up. Like, I don't even think I can play anymore. Like I, I just kind of hell bent over it. And I was like, ah, like what the heck kind of thing kind of upset at my dad. And I remember he literally looks at me and goes, I'll be known in due time. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I, it just kind of, kind of upset me. Like, you know, I was, I'm one of those guys that kind of like, I don't like to beat around the bush and, and sugarcoat things. You know, I like to say it as straightforward as it gets. And, you got that and, from your dad. Yeah. Tell the truth. Absolutely. And he's taught me that from a young age is always tell the truth, you know? So, you know, I'm kind of frustrated. I'm like, why is he beating around the bush? Like, why can't he just tell me straightforward? Why he hasn't signed me up? Like what's going on, you know? And, um, anyways, the reports a couple of days later and he just kind of gives me a packing list and says, yep, go pack your bags for, for three or four nights. And I was like, what the heck? Like, where are we going? You know? And, um, He's like, yep, Nana's going to take us. Nana's my grandma. Like, Nana's going to take us um, up to this place. And just super vague, like, no detail whatsoever as far as what I'm getting myself into. You went in totally blind. Absolutely. And um, and so I was just like, okay, pack my bags. And I'm still frustrated, you know. Like, I'm texting my teammates and everything. They're like, yeah, we just want our first pool play game and everything like that and I'm like oh I wish I could be there you know and uh my grandma I remember driving up to um where do we drive to Brigham City oh right, right here West Haven yeah just right right back here and um she drops us off and I'm sitting there and I see like a bunch of school buses and I'm just like oh well what are these for they were actually coaches coaches <laughs> uh, yeah yeah they're real coaches yeah. <laughs> was, in school buses was that um at that time the first class that this you had gone to meet yeah you and I met there. yeah yeah we went through yeah. the same class together I guess remember back to it yeah it was was yeah. coaches yeah, uh, it was coaches yeah um and I remember just was like okay like we loaded all the bags and underneath the coach and um and everything and I got a backpack and the backpack was nice and pink and sparkles and everything like that. And I'm like, what in the world is this backpack? Like, what am I getting myself into? Like felt so embarrassed, you know? And, you know, sometimes I'd, you know, like to put on maybe a tougher face than I actually am, but I'm like, there's no way I'm wearing a pink backpack around for three or four days. Like what the heck is this? So I'm just frustrated driving all the way up. It was like a, I don't even know how long of a drive it was, maybe two hours or hour and a half, hour and a half or something. And I'm just frustrated. We get up to the, the cabin where we were at and got all settled in and I'm like, all right, whatever. And, um, we had class right when we got there and, um, that was actually the first, you actually had dinner first dinner. And then, and then we had a class right after and, um, we come in and, I remember that was the first time that I met Brett and he's just, it's Mr. I, Johnston, Mr. Johnston. <laughs> yeah. My bad. That makes um, it even yeah. harder if you hadn't met him prior, prior oh, to that. No, yeah. I had no clue who he was. And, um, to, to say the least and to describe the way of my first impression of Brett was just absolute hard ass. And I was just like, you know, and he's come to find out he's one of the most loving and, and caring and supportive people that I, I know today, but, you know, gets in there and starts just yelling, good evening. And I'm just like, felt like I was in an army boot camp. And then all of a sudden, like <laughs> he goes and he's like, I don't even remember. Was it was at five minutes or 10 minutes speech, like out the gate, one and a half, one and a half. <laughs> and I remember like, I was like, maybe 10 like 10th in line or something of uh, of how like how many people and I remember like just super vague like one and a half minute speech and he's just like get up and talk about whatever you want and it was the importance of being on time yeah oh it was <laughs> yes yeah I know it was a long time ago it was a long time ago man 
importance of being on time. Um, and it was just, yeah, give a one and a half minute speech of it. And, um, I remember the first, first person got up there and, you know, maybe got 30 seconds into it maybe, and just shut down, like didn't, just didn't say a word for the rest of the minute. And we couldn't go sit down. We couldn't, couldn't anything. And I was just like, Oh boy. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I have one and a half minute speech. Like, that can't be too bad. You know, I'm trying to plan in my head. I, obviously I have nothing to ride on to plan out my speech. Like, so just like on the spot, you know? And so I'm like, I, I can probably wing this, you know? And like I was saying, you know, I was always kind of the kid that, that got by, um, a prior to rapport. Um, and so I was like, oh, I can wing it. You know, I can just get by, I can just kind of wing my way through this. Got humbled very, very quick. And I, uh, I get up there and, you know, I start talking and what felt like to me was, you know, five minute speech already. And I look at the time and I'm just still sitting there and now I'm in silence and I'm just kind of nodding my head and I'm just like, oh boy, this is going to be a rough week, you know? And then you got through uh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got through it. Um, and it was, it was a good experience for sure. And then, you know, the, the days to come after that was still just like, I, I really had no clue, honestly, what I had still gotten myself into and what my dad had signed me up for. And and your dad's going through the same process at the same time. Yep, absolutely. And, um, and one of the biggest things as well is like the, just the letters that we get throughout the, throughout the courses and stuff. And, um, from peers and different people that are in your life as far as the different days go um, and what the next day entails um, was a big thing. And a, a few of the letters were from my dad um, and, and writing, writing in there. And it, none of the letters really make sense until at the end of the day. Um, and well, so, he's writing you letters of support. And uh, he's got yeah. his own letters those, of support. Those are the cue cards, yeah. Yeah, yeah the cue cards, yeah. Yeah. But do you remember your letter? Oh, absolutely. I remember that. It was a, it was a letter to say the least. That was. Yeah. Most, most, long. most teen grads that's, you know, top, very top of the list as far as impact right there. And, and it can happen from anyone. I mean, at any time you get, you can do that. Yeah, no, it, it was. Um, and yeah, just kind of going back through the, through the process and different things about day two or three, I'm, kind of starting to get a more feel for it. And I'm like, okay, like we're in this together. Like my dad's going through the same thing, you know, talking, talking to my dad after class, very, very vague though. Like, you know, how'd the day go different things. And we'd go, I go in, go to bed and, you know, wake up the next morning by, I don't know. He, he's in a battle himself. So he's, yeah, so, he's pretty vague too, because <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He doesn't know what's coming next and neither do I. So I'm just kind of like nervous. Like, what the heck do you get us, get me into, you know? Um, and am I ever going to get through this was a, a, a thought in my mind for sure. Um, and one of the biggest things, um, was just like the, the uplifting and the empowerment from everybody around me um, and my peers. and So uh, your teammates. Yeah, my teammates that were on my team at the Does time. Does that apply today? Oh, absolutely. Those are those guys are great. Um, and I'm, I'm still in contact with a few of them. Um, as, yeah, they're, I honestly solely could not get through rapport. I mean, I would definitely would give 110% effort, but without those guys, you know, and obviously having Brett alongside of me, helping me through the journey, different things like that. But just having the, like I said, the empowerment and the uplifting and the support from the teammates and helping you get through them by, by about day two or three is when we start all kind of cheering each other on and, and Brett's doing his thing as far as like, where think we're doing good, you know, like getting up, doing different speeches, different activities, the, the whole nine yards. And then, Brett shuts it down right at the end. I remember because I was in your dad's class. Uh-huh. And so I remember one of the meals where your class, because do you remember my stepdaughter, Olivia? I do. Yeah. So Olivia Anderson. So yep. she was in your class. Yeah. I remember one of the meals and coming up to Brett and talking to him. And I knew him prior to the class. Okay. And there was no smile. Oh, no. And it's still like it put it. it I, I was questioning myself, scared the living crap out of me. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? Like I said, the first impression, and Brett's one of the most loving, caring guys that I've ever met, but the first impression of Brett and throughout the entire week was just absolute hard ass. And I thought I was literally in an army boot camp for, you know, I, th- I was honestly, I thought in my mind was like, where did I go wrong for my dad to have to check me into freaking army <laughs> boot camp? You know, like what kind of punishment is this? What did I have to go and do to, to deserve this? But at the end of the day, um, wouldn't have traded it for the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's damn. a gift that I, mean, I look at it and I think, you know, you got to do that, Jeff. And that's, it's a highlight. And Dax, you got to do the same thing to go through that with, with your, with your kids is so cool. So awesome. But you were, you were being vulnerable and, and uncomfortable at the same time, but you guys came out of it together. And, um, as you rolled through graduation, that's, that's by far our, one of our favorite parts of the whole process is just kind of coming to the end of, of the aha moments and the opportunity to start to share some things, you know, what you learned, what you're focused on, what you're doing. That's the important part. You know, all the books that we read, all the experiences we have, they really don't have any power until we take action with them. So you, you get done. And I, I, I think back to that graduation because that was a big graduation. It was big. A uh, lot of support there. It was awesome. I, I can even look back to it, you know, I'm going through the graduation and, and sitting in the room that my class was actually in was the same room that um, graduation took place. And then happening to go outside and, you know, scream, oh, beautiful, <laughs> for spacious guys, just at the top of your lungs. Well, you know the song now. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Like that stuff, that's not leaving my head. There's no way that that's leaving my head. That'll be a memory that I have for the rest of my life. Just screaming up at the um, at the team person, just sitting up there, and you know, I was still, you know, maybe middle down the list of as far as who had to go the lineup. Um, yeah, the lineup of who had to go and sing, and it was it was cutthroat. I mean, in in reality, like people were failing still, and it was like, oh wow, like you know, my teams like we're doing our thing, we're hyping each other up, we're giving each other the support that we need to. Um, to make it through this, but some people are still just failing, um, and they're they're cutting them, they're giving them the X and and different things like that. I was like, oh boy, you know, like I can't. I've got my grandma in the stands. Like I I can't let them down. My dad's here. Like there's no way I let them down. Um, and and that was one of the turning moments in my life where I was like, I've got to give this 110 percent effort, and that's the only way that I'm getting out of it. And thinking back on that whole couple of days and the graduation. Um, what, what do you feel that's done for you with your career? And, and I mean, you're a leader now of a huge sales team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sales, depending on what kind it is, can be very cutthroat. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that really instilled so many qualities in you that have helped make you successful, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't believe I would have the success that I, I've had today in the sales world and the leadership skills and the managing um, different guys and, and happening to take into consideration different circumstances with different people, you know, nobody's the same. And, and that's one of the biggest things that I took from rapport is no one person's the same. We all learn at different paces um, and different things. So just being that person that they can always fall back on, being more of that rock that they can, they can depend on to come back to, ask advice for different things like that will, will show great success throughout yourself and through throughout the entire team as well. I believe that's how we do so well. Um, but I, I have three big, big rules and all my guys that I work with, um, know, um, is very cut and dry. My three, my three rules and my three expectations. Um, the first one is relentless effort. And that's one of the biggest things that I've learned from rapport um but it it came from a book called above the line by by urban meyer um and it's relentless effort so whenever we're knocking doors um and and you know cold calling and and trying to make sales is like we're not gonna half-ass this stuff like you're gonna go in and you're gonna give this thing relentless effort from the time that you start to the time that you're done there's no breaks there's no nothing it's just relentless effort um, number two is uh power of the unit. So what that entails is, um, 
you know, being a team, you know, we're not there to bring, bring each other down. We are very cut and dry as far as there's no dead weight on the team. We all pull our own weight and we all uplift each other and, and go support, support each other. So that's power of a unit. Um, and then number three is competitive excellence, which just essentially entails um, being competitive and having to drive and going through and um, not just going through the motions, you know, actually going and applying the skills and, and making it happen at the end of the day. So you're the Mr. Johnston on your team. Then. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say that <laughs> I've definitely got some some oh. ground to make up before I can compare myself to this guy. I right want to say but. he was Mr. Johnston at 17 years old, <laughs> right? So just as successful, just as, as badass. And when I say badass, like there's so much badassery sitting right here, right in front of you. Uh, he was a leader at 17 and a half years old, a leader of men and, and a damn good, one, a damn good one. The best number one rookie, number one sophomore, number 14 in the whole freaking company. And how many, how many salespeople are there? Like yeah, about 4,000 employees. <laughs> So at 17 and a half, like he's, he's even like kind of skirting the lines on freaking is this legal or not? <laughs> and he's I'm Mike Hagan needs a job. <laughs> yeah. And he's, and he's making it happen and making it happen big and not just for him for others. Absolutely. And like I said, the key to living is giving, you know, giving your people a, a, a resource that they can go and use and, and giving them everything that they need to know to go and, and excel and, and dominate in whatever industry and whatever field that they're in, you know, people are, are never going to turn their back on you, you know? And I believe that's why I have such a good retention rate as well is I don't have hardly anybody ever leave me. Um, you know, there's a million other sales, sales opportunities and different things through that they can go and join. But as long as you're just their rock and their, their guy that they can fall back on and they can count on, on, to get them out of a hole or get them out of a slump or, or whatever it might take. Um, your people will always be, always be very, very loyal to you. Um, and another big thing, um, as far as, as the sales go, um, and, and the career and everything like that is, um, just being personable with people as well as like people, you know, they don't, they don't like to be really told what to do. Um, nobody, we don't really work a nine to five. We aren't a nine to five by any means. Um, and so the people that I'm, I'm going and acquiring and, and hunting for and hiring are the people that, that have that grind and, and different things like that. And by no means do I feel like I'm their boss at, at any point in time, but um, I do feel like I'm, I'm the guy that they can depend on to, help them out when they need me to. Um, but I'm never the guy that's going to go tell them what to do and what tasks they, they, um, they need to complete that day is because of those three, three keys that I, I just got done naming, um, and the expectations that we have on the team. Um, they know those expectations and if we're not in it, if they're not in it with us, then they're not with us here against us kind of thing. I want to say you motivate the hell out of those guys. Absolutely. You motivate, you motivate your dad. He does. He's a little bit jealous, to be honest. Yeah, I we've am. had we've had these we've talks. Had these talks. Yeah, <laughs> little shit makes more money than I do, <laughs> and it's okay. He's proud of you. Um, I am. And, I, and I think back to class because there's there's you know there's lots and lots and stuff of of things that happen in class. But one of the big ones is that that first speech. You know, just stand up in front of people and talking about the importance of being on time and yeah. leadership. And then the the next process you did was sales. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. And, and it's funny that it's called rapport because it's about building rapport with other people and those commonalities. And that's something that, you know, you, you do really well and you've been able to work through that over the years. You started out talking about, you know, really feeling like you were picked on or even a victim to some degree by not having a, a mom and a dad always there, but you've been able to take that focus from that and reframe it into now what's your focus. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of want to dive into that as like, as far as you were saying is like, I was the victim and, you know, picked on and, and different things like that. But at the end of the day, one of my biggest models that I'll, I'll live by is like, you weren't, you weren't entitled to anything in, in life, really. You're, 
never entitled to anything. It's all depending on what you're going to go do and what you're going to go do to earn what you deserve. You know, so I, I run into this um, problem a lot, honestly, within my organization, as far as like people think that they deserve, you know, some swag or they think they deserve higher pay or they think they deserve, you know, X, Y, Z of whatever it might entail. And my question that always pops into my head is like, you aren't entitled to anything. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care about what kind of background that you have, maybe in a sales experience background or whatever. At the end of the day, if you're not going to go out and go earn what's at stake, then I'm not going to give it to you at the end of the day. Um, so, um, yeah, kind of, all, all, all the uh, 19, you know, 30, 50 year olds out there, listen up. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I, so that's one of the biggest things is like, um, going back to kind of my, my childhood and, and different things like that. And like when I would underperform in sports and underperform in school, I was always just kind of like, well, I feel like I should have some sort of compensation as far as like, you know, I, I should be let off the hook from this because of my experiences with my hard times that I've gone through and, and different things like that. And I'm just now looking back on it and I'm not going to say I'm embarrassing myself and, and different things like that. But like Brett was saying is like, it's not a problem to have a regret, but it's one of my biggest regrets is like just kind of playing the poor me and the pick me and the, you know, kind of card, different things. Like feel that. bad like, for me. Yeah. Feel bad for me kind of card. And it's like, no, I, nobody should ever feel bad for me. I should be the guy that goes and makes it happen. And not only should I go make it happen for myself, but I should go make it happen for the people that are around me. Um, and within my close circle as well, called being interdependent instead of independent, being interdependent, taking care of not only yourself, but taking care of the people that you surround yourself with um, and taking care of your coworkers and your family and your friends, everything like that. At the end of the day, you'll never lack um, compensation at that point because you've gone and you've made it happen. Hey, I'm sure now you've been able to recognize how many, how many others out there haven't had, you know, both parents at home. Oh, absolutely. I like even going and looking at it, like I'm grateful to even have both my parents in my life. You know, I'm beyond grateful um, to have, and I have such a good relationship with both of them. I, I looked back on, you know, my childhood and growing up and my, my dad and my mom, never talked whatsoever and if it and was bonus mom yeah and and carly absolutely like she's one of the greatest greatest moms as well um and i'll dive into a little bit about carly as well but um it was all negative it, whenever they did speak it was all negative you know it, it resulted in a fight it resulted in you know different things like that and i was just like how am and it a lot of the times it would and not it wasn't mainly my dad and my mom has done a lot better at this now today is like it was coming out on me and it was like don't shoot the messenger kind of thing and that was my mentality of it is like don't shoot the messenger i'm just a 12 year old kid just trying to make both of you guys happy and spend time with both of you guys and it would it result in you know negative things coming towards me um and but um, to look, look back on it now and, and to dive back into what I was saying, I'm extremely grateful um, of both of my parents. Uh, my mom is completely clean, um, works very, very hard, has a, has a beautiful home now. Um, we talk on a regular occasion and it's all positive, you know, never fighting, never arguing um, with her ever. Um, where at back five, six, seven years ago, it was, I couldn't even look at her and she couldn't even look at me without it being an argument, you know? And it was just taking a toll on, on everybody that was surrounding us. Um, and it goes back to the saying, like, I don't care about where you've been. I just care about where you're going kind of thing. Um, and you know, not my, they still don't talk often, but when they do talk, at least they can have a, 
conversation and it's not going to result in a, a yelling match or a screaming match or one of them wants to rip each other's head off or, or something like that. It's a very, you know, decent, decent conversation that they can, professional conversation that they can have with each other. But to dive into what my dad was saying as, as far as with my bonus mom and, and everything like that. And I believe that that's been a big, she's been a huge, huge success. Um, or a huge factor of my success, excuse me, huge factor of my success because she is just an absolute baller when it comes to what she does. Um, she's one of the hardest working people that, that I know um, in my life is she'll wake up, you know, Capri's one and a half years old at this point and she can take care of Capri, go and sell two houses that day and come home and make a full course meal for the whole family have the entire house cleaned and everything and have a smile on her face by the end of the day you know no matter what like what things that life's going to go throw at her that day um at the end of the day she's always just going to have a smile on her face um by the end of the day because and one of the biggest things i take away from her is she's just one of the hardest workers and you can't beat somebody that doesn't give up, doesn't quit. Like I was saying earlier, and she's the key role model to that is she can't be beat in whatever she does. And when you can't be beat and you're just constantly winning, you're just always in a good mood. And that's one of the biggest factors that I take away from Carly there. So she's, she's a motivational force. Absolutely. Your dad kind of likes her too. Yeah. And she, and she makes me better. Yeah. She makes, she makes everybody better. But, um, like I, I, I see the messages, text messages and stuff like that. Like it is 100% motivational and supportive and which pumps you up. Absolutely. You, 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 pr- you probably feed her too, believe it or not. You <laughs> probably does. do. You push her. Yeah. And so it's a good, good team effort. It's a two way street always in life with whatever, whatever you do in life, it's going to be a two way street. Um, you got to give to give to get kind of thing. Um, but yeah, she's, she's amazing. And that's kind of factored in. And, and one of the biggest things that I struggle with, I, you know, when I was getting into the sales industry and like you were saying is it's cutthroat, you know, in sales, it's very, very easy for you to get down on yourself and be negative and saying, Oh, the weather's bad today. People are mean to me today. You know, this, areas this market is not my market this is a terrible market whatever it might be and it goes kind of back to the you aren't entitled to anything you know you can go make it happen with whatever circumstances that you are given um but just the positivity if you're just positive throughout it and like i said looking back to my rookie year to now no matter what it throws at me no matter if it's an absolute hurricane and I've got to be outside selling in an absolute hurricane. At minus 10. Yeah, or minus 10. <laughs> I was literally in Colorado Springs last or last month, and it was negative 10. And I was outside, just still working. There's, my dad says this all the time. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad gear, you know? And so, so true. All my guys are saying, oh, it's cold. I, oh, I can't sell today. I'm, I can't even speak. It's so cold. Get some warmer gear. Yeah, Go to work. Right. Like, you're not well, Jackson, as, as you talk here, I mean, two things come to mind. Uh-huh. Attitude yeah. and effort. Absolutely. That's what I see when I look at you. Absolutely. And those are the two things you can control. Absolutely. Attitude, effort. Yep. You can't, Love it. Yeah, you can't. And that's one of the big things. Like we do a big training on that in the um, come when we're, you know, full force selling and we're always together um, and doing trainings and different things is like focus on what you can control. Can you focus on how many people, you know, don't talk to you that day? Just absolutely just slam the door in your face, hang up the phone on you, whatever. No. Can you control the weather? No, No. absolutely not. Can you control you? Absolutely. Can you control your emotions? Absolutely. You control how positive you are. Absolutely. Can you control how many hours that you put into this thing? Absolutely. Focus on what you can control. um, And your inputs will always equal your outputs. You know, you go put in positive inputs, positive outputs are going to, going to come out of it. Yeah. Speaking of outputs, what's next for you? 
What's next? Ni- at nineteen, what's next? I mean, JJ likes to ask the the five year question. Absolutely, he loves the five year question. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and I, I honestly, that's the first time I've ever heard that is a, a five year question. But that's I love that question. Um, is because my manager, um, his name is Zach Anderson, and he, um. I had a kind of like a going or as we call it an exit meeting, um, kind of at the end of our season, we go and we just kind of meet with him, reconcile on the summer and how everything went and, you know, the goods, the bads, what we can do better, different things like that. And one of the things I took away from my exit meeting, um, with him last year was like, he's always says like, I go and I recommit to this thing for the next five years. Um, no matter if I'm, if I'm here for five years, life's going to happen. You know, you, you can't really, like I said, focus on your inputs and they'll equal the outputs. Um, but you don't know really what life's going to go throw at you within the next five years. But if I'm committed to this thing for the next five years, and let's say I'm only there for three, at least I made the most out of it within those three years because I was 110% bought in, you know? come and I was a big victim of this during high school and I'm sure I, I hope if there's any high schoolers or any, you know, people in college that are listening to this, it's a very, very common, common sickness and it's called senioritis. And I, I was a big victim of it. Um, skipping school and everything like that senior year is because I knew that I was almost done. I was there. I was at the finish line. So I started to coast, you know, and, um, resulted in, you know, my GPA dropping a little bit. I still got great grades throughout high school and different things like that. But when you start skipping class and you start not going to class and you start skipping assignments, everything like that, you're going to suffer the consequences. So, however, if I would have known that I, I had one more year, so to say after senior year, I wouldn't have slowed down. You kept going. I would have kept going. And so it's that same principle as far as like what Zach says. And I took it to heart when he said that. I was like, go and recommit to this thing for five years. I don't care if you're only here for one year after this. I don't care if you're here for 10 years. I'd love to have you for 10 years. I'd love to have you for one year. I don't care. But for your own sake, go and recommit to this thing for the next five years so because did you for oh absolutely okay. so for for year one two three four and five i'm gonna give it 110 percent effort i'm gonna be giving it relentless effort like i said earlier so where do you see yourself yeah i see myself growing this thing all the way up until i'm out of out of college you know it's a big big engine we say it so all you see time. yourself graduating from college oh absolutely and With i'm an MBA. A full full-time student at weaver state as well so MBA in. Um, yeah, I, w- I would love to transfer to, yeah. um, I'd love to transfer to the, the University of Utah um, either next year or the year after that um, and going and pursuing the dream of going and getting the MBA mm-hmm. um, program and, and, you know, going 110% in on that. Um, and it just goes to say, like, you know, this stuff's an engine and it pays very, very well and allows me to pay my college tuition with no debt and I have to take out any student loans or anything like that. It's just the golden ticket in life. And after college, I don't know what it may bring, but at least I will have a valuable, valuable skill set that I will go and take with me for the rest of my life as far as sales go. Because if you can sell one thing, you can sell anything, essentially. So it's a skill set that's going to go benefit you for the rest of your life. And just being able to go talk to people, got not even just going and selling a product, but going and selling yourself. You know, if I wanted to go get a job at a big corporate company and I've got to go in for an interview, I'm just going to sell myself to those people, you know, and it's all sales at the end of the day. So it'll benefit me long-term. JJ, I want to say this to JJ's question. What, what's the next five years? Um, you have a plan. Absolutely. Your plan is to buy a house next month. Absolutely. Wow. 19 years old. Right. He's already got what? Three, four revenue streams, right? Already 19 years old, funded his IRA for three years now, fully funded. And then uh, also 
have been put into crypto and also in major amounts, mind you, and also into, into a stock fund. And so, and these are, this is no, no small investment. These are big investments, even on, even on my terms. He's already there. Uh, so where do you see him in five years, dad? Retired. <laughs> JJ, where, I, I don't, I don't think where I, the ability the to retire. To. I don't, I don't see Jack's retiring <laughs> he won't retire. at all. He's that relentless pursuit. I was going to say, read the hat. It says it all. I was <laughs> going to say that too. Read the hat. Yeah. That's his mantra. <laughs> says to do something with your heart, might mind, or to put there something you of yourself in your work and to do something with your heart, might mind, and soul. Maybe I'm to leave off. to leave a piece, piece of yourself in your work. Mm-hmm. So read the read the top Meraki. Right? Meraki verb Greek to do something with soul, creativity, or love to leave a piece of yourself in your work. Yep. So if you guys can leave one message for the listeners, one 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 message. From your heart, what is it? Um, it'll be my, it'll be my three things that I talked about earlier. Um, one relentless effort. Go, go hard in anything that you go do. You know, don't ever half-ass it. Give it one hundred and ten percent effort. Two, um, competitive excellence. Go be competitive. Go, go have drive. Go make it happen in your life. And then three, power of a unit. Go surround yourself with people that are going to go uplift you and support you through everything you're going to go through. In life. And you talked about being a, a big giver. And I remember at the last Kayla, you were, you were the first one. Like I want to, I want to sponsor a teen paying it forward. Yeah. That was big. Absolutely. Money's teen, a byproduct. Teen sponsoring teens. Right. Yeah. Money's a byproduct. I, 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 yeah. I, I mean, we all love money. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it's a byproduct. It doesn't matter in life. You know, if I'm giving back to a teen, and I'm paying for him, you know, I don't know what that teen's going through in life. I don't know how rapport might go and, and help him and benefit him for the rest of his life. That is, I don't even remember how much money it was. How much money did I give to send the teen through there? I think it was like 650 bucks. 650 bucks. Like it's, yeah, it might be a lot of money to some people, but at the end of the day, give back until it hurts. You know, I, would give $650 any day of the week to go and, and positively impact somebody else's life for the better and for the long term. Givers gain. Absolutely. Mine is just that. Give, give, give. Invest your time, your words, your wisdom, whatever it is. You got to keep giving it. And I, Brett says this, I think, like, Dax never f- shuts up. I no, I just I, I say I, you, I, I usually that. say you have a, you have plenty a to, say. to say. He's the he's the silent assassin. He'll sit there and listen and listen and listen. But then when it's time for him to speak, he has plenty to say. Bam! Oh, I'll second that all day long. Here it Love comes. It. But it's worth saying. It's worth imparting that wisdom, knowledge, or instruction or support to anybody. It's always worth a chat. I say that. All the time it's always worth the talk it's always worth the chat absolutely and i thank you guys so much love yes. you Brett. i actually uh you know the the family unit the the two the the two of you together are just unstoppable and you know i love you dax and, and i love you jacks as well but i'm just saying like to have a mentor and role model and now you're out there doing the same thing for your team and you've had the best and we're so proud of you absolutely and i'm i can't thank you guys enough for the for the tools and the resources that you guys have given me to go and and excel in in life and as just being a being a person you know being a good down to heart kind person to people goes a long way you know i i take that from every single one of you guys just um i appreciate you guys at the end of the day and you guys are one of my biggest role models and everything like that and I learn a lot from you guys day in and day out. I second that. It's just 100% pure gratitude yep. to you, the program, and the people that support it. And everybody in, in, in the studio here that's here to support you. That's who I'm talking yeah, we got a, We got a whole audience of a fan club going on Yes, tonight. we do. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I wish we had a video of this. We do if you uh, get onto Instagram, Mesa, put us on there. So, so it's been real fun tonight. Thanks for being here and spending the time. I know you impacted a lot of kids. I'm JJ Chanowski. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Building Utah Youth or on Twitter at by underscore Utah or on our website or at, at www.buildingutahyouth.org. I'm JJ signing out. Thank you. Respect, integrity, passion, personal power, leadership, enthusiasm. This has been the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. To become part of the 3%, visit Building Utah Youth on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on our website at buildingutahyouth.com.